If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Was this? I was just long as it goes. Ah, good evening and welcome along to the forum. This is the forum, a veritable coliseum of Liverpool topics which are eating up your mind. Uh, with this week's Anfield agenda, we put a two-footed challenge into an Anfield index of topics, picking up all your Edmund chats <laughs> on TV tonight. Right, that's an Anfield wrap uh, <laughs> on the opening. I'm your forum admin, Phil Casey, and joining me in the chat room is forum tologists, uh, Andy Yo. Um, Ray Dickinson, and then all the way live, and from the man who knows football the best from Spain, knows about Spanish lockdowns and Barcelona's number one fan. It is, of course, Peter Smith, and also we're welcoming back in Periscope tonight. We're doing it especially because I am a huge Periscope fan, and I insisted on being up on Periscope tonight. Yes, Pete, this is like one of those um, Brady Bunch things. I have to, I have to go. We can all do a thing at the end. Hi, Grizz. How are you keeping? It's great to see everyone all along for the chats. Anthony Flynn, Nipsey Russell, Max Oakens, the whole lot. Remember to sanitize and all that type of stuff. Right. Um, getting on with this. First question I want to ask, lads. Normally, we would do four topics, but I want to do a bit of an icebreaker for people who aren't used to us because they're all newbies and they're all born in the year 2020. Um, but this fourth question I want to have is, what is the weirdest combination with chips that you've ever come across in your life. <laughs> Let me start with you, Peter Smith. What is your weirdest combination that you've ever heard of being with chips? Living in Spain, prawns. I mean, why? Why would you do it? You know, you see them here. You know, everything here is patatas fritas or patatas bravas. And I'll also have a side order of, you know, gooey prawns. What is that about? So that's gooey weird. Prawns For me, that's chips. Weird. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. It's just weird. Um, weird. Right. Ray Dicko Dickinson, you come from England and the English do do like have the weird stuff with the chips. So what's what's mm. your weirdest combination with chips you've ever come across in life? I don't know. I think pasta and chips is pretty weird. I served that up to the little one the other day. Pasta and chips. Mm. A lot of carbs. Didn't, didn't really work, did it? Yeah. Lots of carbs. The Take only carbs. Thing, strangely enough, though, if you go into a pub when they were open and you could go into a pub, lasagna and chips is quite often served, which is essentially pasta and chips when you think about it. Mm. Chips is so essential with lasagna. Chips yeah. is essential with lasagna. Andy, what's your weirdest combination with chips that you've come across? Uh, mayonnaise. <laughs> Never been to Holland, no. 
<laughs> no, mayonnaise uh, and chips is wrong. Mayonnaise and chips. Yeah. No. All right. The weirdest, combi- the weirdest combination I've ever come across was oxtail soup and chips. It was definitely the, the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. We were in a pub in Wexford, and this fella ordered just like soupy chips, and it was just off the chart mental. So he was just sitting there, a bowl of oxtail soup, chips on the side, dipping the chips into the oxtail soup because he said it was better than gravy. Don't know. Strangest one. Back in 1988, there with the oxtail reference, was that about? I know, yeah, like, it is the weirdest thing. Soup and chips. Imagine if had spaghetti and chips. Say, no, hang on. That's just the same. whole pasta thing, yeah. yeah. Creamy rice. Anthony oh, Flynn says creamy oh, rice man. and chips. What? Like, that's just bizarre. Like ambrosia. Ambrosia. That's, that chips sounds like a pregnancy nightmare. Yeah, yeah, that's just bizarre. Bizarre things. Right, anyway, lads, look, um, uh, for anyone joining us, and this is the first night joining us, particularly if you're on Periscope, we, we didn't do it live on Periscope last week, uh, the idea of the forums that we get away from the direct micro of what's going on with Liverpool Football Club and look at the bigger, broader topics that have popped up across the course of the week. Um, what we're going to be doing is asking you guys from next week on to give us one topic, and we'll also have a couple of pre-arranged topics where we've made up our answers to it beforehand. Uh, but tonight we're going to kick off, and I think this was Andy's choice of topic. So, Andy, why don't you intro- introduce what your topic is and what your feelings is about your topic um, while I take a rest? Um, yeah, my one was just basically where does Jurgen Klopp stand in the all-time greats? Um it's probably does a disservice to what like the likes of Shanks and Paisley uh, to say he's above them. But he's in that conversation now. I just see a lot of talk on social media about it. I just think it's worth chatting about. Um, for me, I kind of liken him to the Shanks in the same way as, okay, Shanks established the club as such, uh, created, created what we know today, a lot of standards and the togetherness with the fans. But we lost our way for so long and what Klopp has done to, to reconnect everyone, I think has been equally important in our when you look when you look at our history and what we are now. Um obviously a lot of trophies have to come to be up there with, with Bob. But um yeah, I just thought I'd see what the rest of you thought on that one. Ray, you're a scouser. Mm. What's your what's your thoughts given that you've seen many a manager come down through the years and like obviously Andy's talking about Klopp, but we've also had um Hulia and we've had Evans and we've had Sunis and we've had Hodgson and we had Douglas <laughs> the second time around and we've had Rogers as well as all the other lads that, that Andy mentioned. So where for you does Klopp stand at the moment? I think obviously by winning the league and breaking that kind of thirty year sort of curse, you know, mm. he's already sort of gone down in, in folklore. Um he's a few more years, I guess, to be at the club and we get you know, we've he's won a European Cup, he's won a league. I guess it depends uh how sustainable this is over the next sort of like three to five years. Um you know, Chris Brachter is saying behind Shanks, Paisley and Dalgleish at the moment. I, I think that's that's pretty much spot on. I mean, you know, absolute sort of legends and and, and I think Probably when we're 20 years on, we might be thinking that about Klopp as well. But I mean, like Brendan Rodgers would have put himself down in folklore if he'd have broken that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he would have, let's face it. Whoever whoever came in and won that league was always going to be kind of put up there on a, on a pedestal. So um, look, he's like, we love him. Um, 
the the thing that he's done, which you you could never necessarily have predicted, is you know going back to those kind of days where he really kind of got the club and probably the first time anyone really did, arguably since the likes of Dalglish in a way, because what Julier and Benitez did was come and brought their own kind of, you know, put their own stamp on the club. But Klopp's managed to do this whilst also linking it to our past, which is which is probably been the most amazing accomplishment so far, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pete? I think for me, to be honest, I mean, Bracky, it's a great show from Bracky to put him, you know, fourth behind the great lads. But for me, uh, to be a complete outsider, which Jurgen Klopp was, coming in from, you know, Germany, the fact that the lads were the... Am I on mute? Because everybody's laughing. Or you're, I'm not <laughs> yeah, looking at the comments. It's <laughs> 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 comments. <laughs> no, for, for, for them to be... Because usually when you're on mute... The, <laughs> no, he's you know he's he's coming completely from the outside and considering where we were, um, and the state that we were in, what he inherited. If you look at his first eleven, it was an absolute shambles. Whereas you know, there's no question in my mind, Shankly's the all-time greatest. He took us from absolutely nothing and nowhere. You know, probably obviously followed by Paisley, as Bracky says, and then Dalglish, you know, picking up from the greats. But for me, you've got to throw Jorgen into the mix in amongst them somewhere. I don't know, certainly not one or two, but certainly maybe three or four, maybe three, considering, you know, he's come in from the complete cold, um, you know, having not, you know, knew nothing about really the UK, knew nothing about Liverpool, knew very little about, you know, the culture and just seemed to put his finger on the pulse very, very quickly. And a lot of people think a lot of the decisions he makes and a lot of the things that he says, it seems to be in step. With, with not just football-wise, but with the values of that people seem to have, you know, on Merseyside. So, for me, he's definitely up, certainly up there near the top branch. Mm. I think it is full of chat, full of bears tonight, isn't it? I, 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 I have to say, I, I don't know how anyone could not have Klopp at least in the top three. And I mm. I, I think Shankly's overrated as well, to be totally honest with you, right? I think like, when you look at it, what Bob Paisley did, like Bob Paisley for me is is the greatest Liverpool manager of all time. With the number of trophies he's won, what he did, what he achieved. I know Shankly sets the whole thing up, but Paisley is the man who delivered more than any other Liverpool manager. And he's the one for me that's at the top of the tree. So when I look at that then, I'm looking at, right, you've got Kenny, in his spell as player manager, right? Because the second spell was an absolute disaster. It was worse than Hodgson. Let's be honest about it, right? There. And then you've got you've got Bill Shankly himself. So after that, there's no nobody comes close to them. Comes close to them, right? So like Rafa, this talk about Rafa and all. There's always excuses for Rafa. We love making an excuse for Rafa. That's because we liked Rafa. He was a messianic manager. He said the right things. He did the right things. He won a European Cup, but. He doesn't get close. He's not there with Klopp. Klopp takes us the same amount of Champions League finals and he's won a league. That straight away puts him above Rafa any day of the week. So it means, like, you look at it when it comes to, Kenny didn't win the Champions League, didn't win the European Cup. And I know it was circumstance that, that dictated that. Mm. But at the same time, you've got that piece that, that, that Klopp has managed to do two, cha- two Champions League finals, one Champions League win in the Europa, Europa League final, plus runners up in the league and he's won a league title. If, if Klopp, wins another league title or another Champions League, then he's in he's he's definitely in the top three and it's just a case of what your own personal preference is. Like I look at what Klopp has done has been to take a club that was failing miserably and disappearing back into oblivion um and turned it around to become literally the most dominant team this league has ever seen. 
And that's something given the type of the type of methodology that we now use. When Kenny was manager, we were the biggest spenders in England and we were the top of the tree. When Bob was there, we were the biggest spenders in England and the top of the tree. We're not the biggest spenders in England anymore. And we are top, in the the top five, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you cannot underestimate what Klopp has managed to achieve. And even Rafa spent an awful lot of money, even though it was all debt that was being put on the club. He did spend an awful lot of money in comparison. Klopp has been asked to manage this and also give credit to Michael Edwards here. It's the whole team that sits there at the moment is arguably better than any other stage in the club in terms of a total team from top to bottom. So to me, it's definitely in there. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, well, look, one of the biggest things Klopp has, has done for me is like it, it's been a bit of a rebirth for football. Like, you know, when players like Suarez left and, and Torres left on, even going back that far, you felt like there was no kind of connection with the club. The players had no connection with the club. But Klopp has managed to find this balance between the modern day footballer and the fan. Somehow, He's been able to triangulate all of those things. The what the, the FSG business model is, how modern sport is, how competitive it is, and how much money it is. But he's still made it so big for the fans again, and yeah. the fans feel connected to the players yeah. again, I, and the players I, feel connected to the fans. That's what that's that's for me has been a bit of a rebirth, and that's yeah. why I kind of just yeah, that's why I put him up there with with Shanks in that way. Um. Yeah, I think Andy, I think what you're touching on there is the fact that he's kind of he, he's made us as Liverpool fans enjoy, you know, watching the team again and everything sort of connected with being a Liverpool fan. You know, there's been so many years where being a Liverpool fan was a bit of a sort of labour of love, really. You know what I mean? You, you know, you, you, your loyalties made sure that you were watching every week and, you know, you didn't lose interest from that point of view. Maybe some fans did, but um, what he's done now is he's got us all completely invested. You know, he's got, you know, he's got fellas like myself who wouldn't have bought a kit for years suddenly to go out and buy a few kits. Do you know what I mean? Like it, 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 little things like this. I, I mean, it's a real shame at the moment like that we can't actually go and watch this team play because like I, I'm just dying to go back and watch us play. And for years I would go the match, you know, Every every other week, sometimes a couple of times a week, depending on how the fixtures felt, and like it, it felt like a chore at times going to watch the team. Do you know that way? And it's mm. not, it's just not, it's just not like that at all. You know, lately every time I've gone to Anfield, it's just been a buzz going there, and um, you know, a big part of that is down to to Klopp and what he's and what he's brought back to to, to the club. Really is, yeah, big time, big time. <laughs> Right, lads. Um, what then cements them into the top position? I'll, I'll trophies. Trophies. How many? I think. Well, okay. What? What did? What did uh, Paisley have? Thirteen major trophies, nine seasons, something like that. Hmm. He doesn't have to do that uh, because of the, the gap in success. You know, Paisley inherited a good team, inherited a good setup. And um, what what Klopp has had to do in the modern day competitive sports, you know, with City there, with everyone, all the all the money. I don't think he has to win thirteen trophies, but I think if he, I think if he doubled what he has so far, he's up there straight away. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. Ray, for you, 
Um, I think if he wins three leagues out of five and maybe another European Cup, then he's definitely elevating himself into the top two, top three. Um, with everything else that, that goes on alongside in terms of, um, you know, the, the kind of the rebuild or the reboot or whatever you want to call it over the last few years. So, yeah, three out of five, considering he's, as Keith's mentioned there in the in the chat, um, considering what he's up against from, from a Man City point of view. Um, and the and the points haul as well, you know what I mean? Like the amount of points that, you know, if, if we're consistently consistently sort of getting over 90 points a season for like five seasons on the bounce like that would be some 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 effort well then let me let me throw let me throw the 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 the, the converse of this right in 20 years time people won't know about won't remember the football they won't think about the way the football was played or how we got there it'll all be about the trophies and with that you look at paisley he does 19 and nine years right mm. The reason why Shankly is thought of is because he built the club from from the scratch. Yeah, and what Klopp will always be remembered for is winning that first league title again as Liverpool manager, right? If he goes and wins three league titles in the next five years, then he puts himself into the conversation to pass Kenny Dalglish. But I don't think anyone ever passes either Shankly or Paisley, given what they did what and they what did. great. Yeah, I know people are getting annoyed with me saying that I thought the Shankly's overrated, but I just think when you when you look at Pacey, I don't really care. When you when you, when you look it's at all Bill the Pace, it's all the lads who don't know who you are, Phil. Tell them who uh, you are. <laughs> no, they, they'll get to know. Yeah. When I when I look at Bill Paisley's record, it's like it's just literally the 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 best you're going to ever get out of a Liverpool manager. I don't think you're ever going to see another Liverpool manager win 19 trophies in nine years. I think it's near impossible. Mm. Yeah. In in this day and age, in this football, I think, and the only thing, and that possibly goes for Klopp in terms of what his legacy has been, if he can win eight or nine trophies in the time he's here as a Liverpool manager, and that's saying putting six on the board before he leaves, right, from where he stands at this moment in time, that is a huge, huge, huge trophy haul for a manager in this day and age that isn't Pep Guardiola, who isn't financially doping at every club that he goes to. Stefan has your back anyway, Phil. He says you, you misspoke. All right, sorry. Apologise to Wayne and the fella. Absolutely, will never apologise. I will never apologise to anyone on the internet. It's that simple. They don't. The lads are, uh, ah, right. look, they're, they're having a crack. Yeah, they're having a crack. They're great lads. <laughs> all, all great lads there floating around. <laughs> Um, so anyway, come here to me, right? Look, leading on from that, and I think it's it's a good way to move into this. We'll get on to, to transfers and stuff in a second, but on that take, given that we were hated as a club for the best part of 30 years because of our relentless winning that was going on and dominating England. Is this is there a growing sense now of this ABL, anyone but Liverpool, because of the way we're playing and because of who we are and because of what we're doing to, to the league? Like, there was an arrogance in that win at the weekend, but there's an arrogance in how we've played now for the best part of nine months that we literally just take the piss when we go ahead and just, we're not, like, City have, are constantly trying to prove that they're Billy Big Balls and they're floating around and doing whatever they want, right? And n- still nobody takes them serious, whereas we go 1-0, 2-0, and it's just like, right, now we've just managed the games out and it's it's starting to really piss people off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose when any, like, there was obviously that period there where, you know, a good few um, people opposing fans were quite willing to sort of let us finally win this league. Obviously, the United fans being the notable exception, but outside the United fans, I think there wasn't a lot sort of of, of that sort of 
negativity left, I suppose. Um, but now that we have kind of climbed to the peak and the success is kind of looks like it, it's sustainable for a number of years, then, yeah, people are taking pot shots left, right and centre. Um, I guess it's, there's, a, there's obviously the jealousy factor there and, um, you know, the penalty pool thing, um, kind of died down, but you're going to get all of this again. You know, you're going to get kind of VAR, you know, Liverpool winning it by this way or that way. I, I just think it's 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 a, it's an underlying jealousy that's bubbled to the surface as probably quickly than maybe than, than maybe we would have thought, but it, it's out there for all to see now. And, and mm. look, that that just goes with the territory of of, of being successful. You know, I, I, it actually amuses me and and if you look around twitter it certainly amuses a lot of other liverpool fans um especially people who can remember what it was like to be you know did that have that target on your back when we were winning everything in the sort of 80s and and, and well not not quite beyond the 80s but in the 80s you know pete this was your show so what, what what's yeah. driving this? Because you you go on and you literally just annoy lots of people online. It's great <laughs> crack watching you and reading your timeline. So, well, get, go on. Lay in, I've always, lay. I, I love it because you know we're all similar age and we're we're old enough to remember when football was ninety minutes and at the end of the ninety minutes somebody handed Alan Hansen a trophy, and that's what <laughs> it was. You know, so for me, I think you look at you look back then. There's a lot of fellas online now. You know, or there's a lot of fellas in general out there, supporters of Manchester United, whatever rivals, and they grew up, you know, as little kids, same as us, looking at that and having to be force-fed that. So then, you know, they get a little bit older, and all of a sudden, their club is in Manchester United are cleaning up left, right, and centre, and the joke continues. Oh, you know, they, no matter what happens between if they're going for the league against Arsenal or if they're going for the league against Chelsea, if they don't win it, success then becomes well, at least Liverpool are in the shit again. So all of a sudden, this has completely changed. And people talk about the unbearables and Liverpool fans being unbearable. It's not that Liverpool fans are unbearable. What's unbearable for them is not having Liverpool as a punch bag anymore. I keep saying it and I'll, I'll always say it. What kills them is the idea of not being able to sit with their mates and say, well, you know, us, Chelsea, whatever, Manchester United, we've had a shit season. But look at Liverpool, ha-ha. They, are, they thought that this would last forever. It's like us as kids. We thought, I honestly grew up thinking, a little, it's a little bit like WWF wrestling at the time. I thought, you know, the game went on and Liverpool just won because those are the rules and that's part of why I fell in love with them. So I thought that would go on forever. And they thought in turn that Manchester United would dominate forever. And I'm sure some of the Chelsea nitwits thought that they'd dominate forever. And all of a sudden, the butt of the eternal 30-year joke has turned around. And not only turned around, you know, in for one season, it looks like it. You know, it's 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 a sustainable business model. And by the way, they just keep coming. And now, now the new joke is not content with winning. Klopp is tweaking things to find another way to be brilliant and mm. bringing in another style of brilliance. And that's killing people. I mean, a player like Thiago, for example, at the absolute peak of his abilities, chooses. You know, didn't. I mean, everybody was going, "Oh, we're speaking to his agents," but he was that. All the signal was, "Listen, I don't want to talk to anyone." I want to play for Liverpool. It's going to happen. And I think that really pissed people off to the extent mm. where they really thought that, oh, City where we'll get Messi in, United where we'll get Jaden Sancho in. And all of a sudden, one of the top 
you know, highest achieving midfield players in the world has blanked the four-year contract of the European champions to, you know, basically tell the world, I want to play for Liverpool, not interested in even talking to anyone else. That is where Liverpool are now and it's pissing people off. It's great. I'm loving it. And Andy, because you're, yeah. you're the top, you're the toppest red and top red man. <laughs> oh yeah, absolute top red, uh, super fan. I didn't, even, I, I didn't even know you had a black top. I thought every top you had in your house was a red top because you're such a top red. <laughs> it's, it's a lovely black. top, isn't it? It is lovely. It's it, this is a vapor as well. I only got a vapor. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I, I I'm enjoying it. I'm loving the heat. Uh, it's there's hours of entertainment on social media if you want to. If you have an hour to kill, if you're on a bus and a train, go on there and just. <laughs> drag them all in and, and then just log off and then you come back and your notifications are lit up it's grey crack uh, I suppose I think the media thing is a lot to do with how feisty Liverpool fans are on social media the likes of TalkSport only have to throw out a little hook themselves and <laughs> they get clicks everywhere and uh, Sky are at it now because they know they generate so many, so much interaction on social media. Um, any poll you see, it's always dominated. No matter who they put in, you could put a Rigi into the, the player of the season. The Liverpool fans will landslide for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's just it's just the presence that Liverpool fans had are, are so busy on social media that the the media are playing up to it. And then what happens is. Opposition fans listen to the media and they believe all these little hooks that are out there. Before the Chelsea game, there was um podcast up, you know, you see it, you see it all over the shop now. Today, fans from Chelsea, Arsenal, United, all saying that Liverpool will finish third and fourth. And they have this rationale built up in their head that it all came from the media. It couldn't have come from their own head. It's it's so stupid. Um if, you, if anyone watches Liverpool, you know they're not finishing third or fourth. Well, if you say they're going to finish third or fourth, you're, you're, you're mad. It could happen, but you're, you're absolutely bonkers to suggest so. Um, as I said, I, I'm absolutely loving it. And long may it last because it creates a, a togetherness in a team as well. And when that existed for United all them years ago, when they were successful, uh, they had it too. They... They fought for each other, and and that's that's what that's what we want. We want this to last. I I I personally, I think this this is both a symptom and a result of our previous dominance, which lasted the best part of twenty years, right? Um, and it's always been sitting there. So when all these fellows were kids and their dads were supporting those teams that they support mm. now, right? Mm. They hated Liverpool. Absolutely despised it, right? And they've grown up without that hate of Liverpool there because Liverpool weren't challenging for league titles. So we occasionally came along. We had 95, 96 under Evans when we were in the running for the league title and blew it with, with about six games to go. You've got the, the title run under Rafa in 08-09 and you could see how much the media did not want us to win that league title. Do you remember the Rafa rant, which we end up winning more games than we'd ever done before the, the, it, the before he has the Rafa rant? <clears throat> you go 13-14 and the don't we don't let it slip comment like they were baiting that comment before that any ever that happened at Chelsea because the because they zoomed in with the mic they picked up on um Gerard saying it they didn't want Gerard to win a league and it was it's been there and going back to Andy that that festers and it fosters those 
viewpoints that have been sitting there for the best part of 25 years. The fear in that the, these teams had of Liverpool coming back and exerting a dominance like they had for the previous 30 years, particularly the United side, because the, the United fans' biggest fear has always been to have Ferguson in the corner. And the biggest fear they had was what happens after Alex Ferguson goes. So not only have they had to deal with Manchester City suddenly appearing and dominating football, now the team that they hate with all their passion is the one that looks like they're sitting on a period of three to five years of where they're just going to either win league titles or dominate Europe. And they this is blowing blown their minds. Like their answer, and, and I love it because it's Chelsea's answer and it's United's answer to everything, is throw loads of money at this and then be able to turn around and say, ha-ha, look, Liverpool can't spend money. In the same <laughs> breath, we've gone out and spent nearly 100 million on players this summer, right? I think, what, we've recruited about 20 million. Like we've we we play it brilliantly. We've played it brilliantly. We play the transfer market brilliantly, and that pisses them off. You look at United. The United fans are cracking up because they they've agreed terms with Sancho, Thiago, um, Werner, Koulibaly, um, Upamecano, Bellingham, the fella who went to Borussia Dortmund. Every single player that's gone somewhere. Who was your man? Sangi Langi, Regulian, the fella who turns up at sports. Yeah. Did agree did agree terms with them. It's literally there's Arsene Wenger. He knows. <laughs> he knows. <He's> right. <laughs> he knows this game. But the fact, the fact we are the fact that we're now the biggest club in England, not just because we say we're the biggest club in England, it's that we have this global presence again, right? And the focus of all the press attention that's outside of England is on Liverpool from around the rest of the world. And that's doing their heads in. Like the Arsenal fans, the Arsenal fans built a trophy to celebrate that they sold more home jerseys in England than we did. Like they were celebrating that last week, right? This yeah. week it turned out that we, like, Nike can't even order stock anymore. All the, mm. the coronavirus has taken away all the, all the material. There won't be any, there won't be any jersey for the best part of eight months at this stage now for the rest of the world. Yeah. Phil, uh, co- uh, come on, you spores, spores there, uh, says Klopp has created a panic in other clubs. And I think he's spot on. Liverpool's mm. signings and their, um, their their business in the market is so strategic. It's about sustaining um success. It's so measured. Everybody else that signs players, it is a it is a panic. Mm. Look at Chelsea, like they've signed Havertz and they've signed Werner and they don't know what to do with them. Mm. And they won't know what to do with them. Mm. Lampard won't know what to do with them. I, I kind of I honestly feel that Lampard won't won't last the season. Mate, he, Andy, he doesn't even know what he, he doesn't even know what to do with Ingolo Kante. I mean, yes. this is a guy who single-handedly practically won Leicester a title playing defensive midfield. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at Frank Lampard thinking at I Leicester. expected more. And Leicester. Yeah, at Leicester. At Leicester. Not, 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 not it's you, incredible. Ale- Fucking yeah. Alexa here. off I said Leicester. Even the, way, <laughs> even the way City do their business, it's, it, it is panic. It's panic buying. Bringing in uh, Ake, you know... We, Desperate for a centre half, just get that fella who plays well in the Premier League. Like it's it's not as measured. It's not as measured as as Klopp and his his team uh, in their in their bunker. It's incredible how they go about their business and how measured it is. And when you see all of our fans piling in, giving out about no signs, it really does piss me off because honestly, you, you couldn't have lived through the bad times if if you think this is worth your 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 anger these days. This is this is the best you'll ever have. This is the best you'll ever experience. Trust this yeah. fucking team. Yeah. Trust this manager. Trust everything, everyone he's put around them. Look at the squad we have now. Look at the 11 we have. 
It's un- it's unbelievable. It's and it's also it's also right. Look, you 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 look at it and you say it's the the panic thing is the best show of hair, Andy. That's well done, well done. You deserve a gold star for that show. It has created panic. Yeah. So you 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 look at City and they spent a billion to euros on 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 Ped's Guardiola. They spent a billion to euros on all the players, right? Chelsea have gone out and spent four hundred billion to euros on Kepa alone. And the fella can't even play in goal. He was the the bought his brother, not the not the goalkeeper fella. You know, it have spent a hundred billion euros in the last ten weeks and haven't signed a single player. Arsenal have signed loads of fellas that nobody's ever heard of, and they're convinced they're going to win the league. And Spurs are just have got got Scatman Joe managing at the moment doing bubbidi 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 boo right. So it's like uh, you look at it and you say to yourself. There's a reason why they hate us because no matter what plan and no matter what they what they do and what they try to do, they can't match us. They don't know how to match us. They don't know how it's going to be, how they're going to do it. And every one of them are looking at it going, "Why didn't we get Klopp?" That's the that's that's the, the, the fundamental thing is you know, look Frank Fat Frank. They're trying to play him up and they're saying, "Why did we not get Klopp?" You know, you're looking at saying, "Do you remember we had a chance to get Klopp and we decided not to go for it?" There's the whole thing. Chelsea, they signed every manager bar Klopp ever at one mm. stage, and then mm. City, City were convinced that Guardiola had the, had the golden the golden goose and had a golden thing to, to go there. So it's just, it's 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 a big pile of 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 hate. And long may it continue. I would love us to be the most hated English team in England for the next twenty years because that means that we have relentlessly won everything nonstop. Yeah, I think the thing about United as well is. It's it is history repeating, isn't it? You know, we we when we fall off the cliff in in, in the early nineties, that's when the resurgence begins, and they go on to dominate. And it's like it's just completely mirroring. And we, you know, we go from we go from one bad decision to another. Then you know, for years we we keep signing the the next bit, you know, the next big thing and whatnot. You know, really reaching for big, you know, big big signings, splash signings, and this is this has got you know that this is what our rivals are now doing, and uh, you know you can see you can see United panicking and going and spending that money on Sancho when that's not necessarily the answer to all the problems. You know, it'll just be a diversion. But right, can I unless just, you can play centre half? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry, Peter. Just, just that comment there. Andy's put up the watching line and seeing some, for, uh, some former LFC players buying into the agenda built up by rival fans. Dee saying, Teddy, Morphy saying players and happy. Like, one, mm. Danny Morphy. Danny Morphy is still bitter over being sold by Rafa as soon as he came mm. in the door, right? And so ignore Danny Morphy. You may as well listen to Danny Mills. And if you're listening to Danny Mills, then you've probably got coronavirus and you need to get yourself. I know what he talks about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly, he's in right? the um he's gone to the Tony Evans school of bitterness, hasn't he? Really, Danny Murphy. He 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 invented the, the, the school of bitterness, right? Didi is mad. Didi is mad. Like we all know that. He just says things to be relevant. Um mm. because he just he doesn't seem to be getting many gigs that much on the television. Mm. Like the ones I the ones I pay attention to is, is none. Because it basically like with with the exception of maybe um I actually think Gary Neville's commentary on Liverpool is probably the most balanced than he has because he has it's the least fair. It's not now. It's not now. That's because he's, he's his head he's he's hammering his own club. He's Do you know he could, he could live, he could live with us for a season. Mm. You know what I mean? And he made mm. a bit of a joke of how it's, how he's going to be pissed off us win the league. He wants City to win the league over Liverpool. 
yeah, the season before the season before team. last was perfect for for Neville. Yeah. You know, we were great and we lost out on the league by one point. Mm. That that was, you know, that that gave him the platform to be able to mm. kind of wax lyrical about Liverpool, but does not win the league. You know, that's what he wanted. That's kind of what he wanted. I think as winning the league last season would have tipped him over the edge. You know, mm. the do, best do out, think- the best out there is Sionis by by a mile. Yeah, I was actually Andy. I was going to say, I tell you, and it's probably the years of regret. I've seen it. The the I don't know if any of you seen that interview where he actually basically sat down. He was nearly in tears. The guy talking about his own regrets about the nineteen nineties. Just for that moment, it was just like, oh my god, you know, I, I, we all know what he did, but you know, it was what he was trying to do. You know, that failed. It wasn't that he was trying to sabotage the club. He just had his own way, like what he did with Rangers. But for me, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. Soon as you know, maybe it's the years of hot and cold and losing the head, and he just has this very unique perspective, you know. But look, I, I don't know. No, again, look, you got to take pundits with a pinch of salt. They're 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 there. They're basically clickbait now at this stage to try to get it, and very few actually get to say what they want to say. Um, but look, at the same time. For the best part of 20 years, when we weren't winning trophies, most of the media were Liverpool, ex-Liverpool players. We're now into a phase where because we hadn't mm. won anything for 20 years, most of the pundits are not going to be Liverpool players. They're, 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 look at the amount of United well, players. United. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or Arsenal or Blackburn or Chelsea. Like They're all going to wander in. Excuse me, you get the, the few odd ones in team. Stefan is talking about Kenny Cunningham. I, I I wouldn't even pay attention to Kenny Cunningham if you're if you're he's an accountant. For- Kenny Cunningham's an accountant, a fucking idiot. I mean, some of the things he, it's almost like we all know that he hates Liverpool. It's obvious. He just comes. It's it's all. It, he's like that contrary L one. You know that your mother comes home and complains about if if everyone says the sky is green, Ken Cunningham has to say that it's fucking green. Do you know what I mean? Kenny he's Cunningham, just one of them. Kenny, Kenny Cunningham watches much football as I do, and that's zero. <laughs> he pays as much attention to the accountancy practice. Yeah, like he literally, when he's commentating on, on European games, he opens Wikipedia, reads what's in there about the team, <laughs> and then just says it. Right. So if you if you want yeah. to know, if you want to watch, if you want if you want to know, if you want to do something to Kenny Cunningham, just go in and edit Wikipedia, and, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. and put any random stuff in there, and he'll say. I it mean, he, he was ranting on about Thiago. I mean, look. Where do you even start? Andy, you're going to have to help me out here. I mean, maybe he was watching a different game. He obviously was. But the lad looked like he'd been playing with us for five or six years. I mean, Kenny didn't say any of that. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Uh, it's it's funny. Uh, uh, he must have forgotten he was slating um, Fabino only a matter of months ago, and then called and him now, class the other day. Yeah, and now now he's class, and uh, Thiago is somehow toward in line behind Henderson and Fabino in that six. Now, I don't know how you can say that. I, I don't know how you can possibly say that. I love Henderson, and I think he does a smashing job there. And Fabino as well does a smashing job there. But Thiago is right up there. We, you know, time will tell who who's boss in that position. But 
don't don't talk about Thiago, who's one of the best players in in a in world football in that position. Ridiculous talk. Ridiculous talk. Ridiculous talk. Um, and yeah, and again, he was slaughtering Fabinho in that position. He's contradicting himself. Right. No, it's probably not worth talking about. He's just another. He's just another pundit looking for attention. Yeah. yeah, as I said to you, and and again, he's in, he's in the ABL category. So let's let's remember them, and they're not. And not he was ABL. a shy captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and just just ignore him. He'll go away soon enough. And like you don't have, you can just turn the television off. Right. Next, Ray's gone. Ray's gone. Yeah. <laughs> he loves Ken Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ray loves Ken Cunningham. Ray's his cousin. Anthony yeah. uh, Okango is Okango. Liverpool mm. forever. Yeah, okay, definitely, I want, pal. I want to. Only I can this, do that. <laughs> hang on. I, I want to use this. I want to use this as a, as a lead in to my topic, which is that um, it's around transfers, and everyone loves transfers. So it's a time to talk about transfers again. But my topic Mbappe. here. Well, do you want to talk about Mbappe? Do you? Well, th- actually, do you know, Andy? This is perfect because this is exactly what I want to talk about. Right? People hate talking about defensive transfers. Right? So. Every all the conversation we've signed Diogo Jota and we've signed Thiago, right? Thiago is probably the closest thing we've got, we've signed to a defender since Simicas, right? Of the the Olympiacos fella, okay. Mm. So again, here we go. There's a there's a there's a thing a big story today that that Sar has suddenly been agreed as well. So we're signing Sar and we're signing Jota and we've signed um, Thiago, right? So I'm looking at going. Okay, the only thing this team needs at this moment in time is a centre-back. And nobody seems to care about the centre-back or even talk about it. And most of all the um, journals, Liverpool covering journals, are saying we are not signing another another player. But it doesn't make a difference because all they're interested in is who is the next flashy forward that we're going to sign. So the conversation we have now, well, we've only got two centre-backs that can play. One of them is Billy Cometio, who's only 17, and the other is Van Dijk. Gomez and and uh, Fabinho are having a row over which paper bag is going to injure them next, right? So, the, like, literally, Matip. yeah, Matip. Uh, who, who did I say? Fabinho. Fabinho. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Gomez and Matip are arguing over who gets injured next. Um, but I look at it, and I'm there going, right, so everyone wants to talk about Mbappe, Sar, who else was, was mentioned today? Um Somebody else. There was the, the young lad that's at Anderlecht, right? So all the conversation and talk is all about centre forwards and wingers after we've signed a fella Diogo Jota who was literally the flavour of the month for uh, 24 hours until we moved on to the next forward sign yeah. so Pete why are people obsessed with only signing forwards I think you know you're, you're, we're looking at the FIFA generation and you know people are you look on social media you wouldn't think defence matters oh he can fill the gap there and he can do this there and he can do that there so it's it's just about you know fantasy league points and and all this, you know, who's going to who's going to be the force to to compete with Mo Salah and 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 Sadio Mane? They don't think, okay, we we also have to cover our bread and butter because they'll be the first people also to complain when we throw out a couple of sixteen-year-olds at, at centre back and right back in the in the cup competitions. You know, it's important. It is important to try and build something. I I'd be in the camp of, you know, taking a as you feel describe it, a tier two or two tier three centre half and 
plug into what Klopp is good at, developing these types of players, bringing them through and, you know, and, and making them leaders. It's okay. It's not a sexy thing to go out and scout and buy and wait for a defender, but you know, it needs to be done. Forget about Sar. I think that Sar nonsense is a three day old story from an hour or two before we agreed uh, terms with Jota. So I'd imagine France fo- football have just woken up and decided <laughs> to run with that story um, this afternoon uh, for some reason. But I, I'd be I'd agree with you, Phil. It's it's because it's not sexy. It's not you know oh you know the minute Mbappe made a statement and he seems to be another one that loves a bit of attention by the way and likes to be in the in the news. I'm, I'm I've given me notice kind of thing through me agents. Everyone's all over it. That's just to be honest with you. I give up on speculating about Liverpool transfers because I think I still think that um, Michael uh, Edwards has his three and four windows ahead of where we are. And the rest of the clubs, you talked about panic earlier on, and you're spot on. The rest of the clubs, look at who else was on our shortlist and who we bought as an alternative, and they flipped to that alternative. So everybody literally is is following Liverpool. So, you know, for me, forget about the sexy Sabutio FIFA signings and yeah, let's let's see what who who's gonna come in to, to you know to maintain and develop that defense. Andy, you were one of the greatest Lovren fans that ever existed. So like you must be more, you you're clearly mourning the loss of Big Dejan over there in Russia, hitting in penalties and free kicks and and forgetting that he won games a hundred nil with Liverpool. So like <laughs> Andy, it's, uh, you're also a top red. So, Andy, explain to me why we only want, we're only interested in talking about forwards when it comes to transfer talk. I don't know. I think Pete's right. It's the FIFA generation. It's it's like people just demand fast things now. Like it has to, you know, talking about a defender is just not glamorous enough for a modern day football fan. Uh, I think Adrian Neely's dead right. I think next year, whether it's Ben White or somebody else, I think that's when maybe the centre-back is ball. If you remember, Klopp was prepared to let Lovren go this time last year when the window was closing to Roma and he wasn't going to replace him because he does have a lot of faith in uh, Fabinho playing that centre-back role. My opinion, before yesterday, look, I know he played, he was quality against Bayern as well. But yesterday, I just saw something different in Fabinho there that I think he could play play centre-back all season if he had to. Um, you, you lose a lot of his qualities higher up the pitch where he can win the ball and get an attack going, clip the ball over the top. But we saw many options in midfield now. I think he could wait till next year, till when Alan's contract is gone. Fabinho slots back into, you know, midfield options and then he goes for someone like Ben Boy. But I know that doesn't answer your question, Phil. <laughs> but I just thought I'd say it anyway. Cheers. <laughs> did, did you prepare to answer and just wanted to use it? <laughs> yeah, it's just me. Now it's here. Like, you, you know, you didn't ask the question you were supposed to ask me. It's, no it's, like, you're, it's like when you're doing an exam and it's like you answer just a completely different question because that's what the answer you had that you learned off. That's Go what on. I studied. Just put, put down everything you know on paper. You never know where you might pick up the marks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, look, that's, that's it. See, for me, that's the answer. It's just people people glamorize the, the forward players. But what we have there now is, is one of the best in world football um, and, the, and the options up there. We've Mane, like, he was so good yesterday and Salah was so good the week before. You know what I mean? Bobby was was decent again uh, yesterday. It, the, the players are just so, so good up there. And I tell you, Jota's going to fucking put pressure on Bobby, I think, 
But look, we should be more excited about the prospect of signing defenders because let's face it, like we've signed Van Dijk, like the best defender in the league. And, you know, not long before that, we signed Robbo and like these are integral players. And, you know, for me, like, like Robbo, uh, Trent, Van Dijk, I mean, these are players that you can that you can really get behind and enjoy as much as some of the front players. Like, you know, it's such an integral part of the team. I mean, I think we've, we've kind of, I honestly think in some ways I'm a little, I'm a slightly concerned that maybe Klopp has decided that his kind of pecking order is, you know, Gomez is number two centre back, Matip is number three centre back and, and Fabinho is number four centre back. Mm. I don't have that much of a problem with, Fabinho has been as number four centre-back. What I have a problem with is how injury-prone number two and number three are mm. and how often we're going to have to potentially deploy him because yesterday showed us that he's more than capable of, um, you know, working alongside Van Dijk. Uh, and and I'd be confident enough of us keeping clean sheets with, with Fabinho uh, next to Van Dijk in, 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 in the right situations. But... Like we don't want to be deploying him there, you know, and taking away from what he can offer us in midfield more often than 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 we need to be doing. That. And I and I get that we've got the the depth there in midfield, but for me, it's it's horses for courses. And if you haven't got number two and number three available, I don't know, playing a dangerous game. Okay, so Ray, me, do, you not, do you not? Sorry, Phil, do you not? Sorry, do you not think? Are you? I'm just wanting to know what Ray thought because a lot of people have glossed over it. I think letting who over go is a huge mistake. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. I think it was a huge mistake. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise that he didn't get more of an opportunity and 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 that he didn't sort of try and integrate him in a little bit more towards the back end of the season. But I'm always one who would err on the side of well, we don't see what happens sort of day in, day out in training and how well a player is kind of taken on board the instructions um, that the manager is trying to sort of give out. And I don't know, like, we'll see. I suppose in time we'll see. Whoever. (laughs) How do you pronounce it? (laughs) Henry. Smith. His 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 name is Henry. I don't know. I was yeah, just being Colin Hoover, Henry. Um, but like for me, lads, I think it's 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 the magpie syndrome. I think everyone just wants the shiny, the flashy, shiny, shiny thing, new things, right? Yeah. But the functional thing, yeah. like, like forwards win matches, but defenses win leagues. And we we went, we haven't been, we weren't able to win a league until we had a world class goalkeeper and a world class defense. And I think the thing that sets down, we can talk about. Fabinho all day long. I've I, I said before the game, I've said it to you guys, I have no issue with Fabinho playing as centre-back because the majority of the games we play are centre-backs that operate as midfielders anyway because the team the teams we're playing against are just sitting in. And if you look at what Fat Frank did with Chelsea at the weekend, they basically played as an away team. They sat in their own box. They never left their own half and just tried to play balls over the top to catch it. So that suits because Fabinho can play there. If you bring in... um. Thiago and you have Henderson or Wijnaldum or whatever it is, right? They're essentially playing with a defensive midfielder behind them and then Van Dijk sweeps around him. Like Van Dijk actually becomes almost like a Franz Beckenbauer and plays behind Fabinho, just picking up any balls to go behind him. It's like an emergence of a new formation. It's like a one-one 
two, one, two, one, two formation, right? Mm. When we're when we when we have the ball. And then when we don't have the ball, it's like two, two, <laughs> one, one, two, one, one formation. Um in the attacking tour, depending on the transitions that people use. But when you get down to it, all you need to do is look at what is the progressions here. What are the progressions here? If we're comfortable to go with Fabinho as the fourth choice centre back, let's say, or backup centre back when either Matip or Gomez is missing, then do we lose something when it comes to European matches when we need somebody to absolutely destroy teams in midfield? Or are we happy to say we're a much more constructive type of midfield in the way that other teams play and that we're happy to rely on our centre backs to step in and make those those challenges when needs be? And I think that's where we're probably going. Um, with this type of thing, right? <laughs> um, and Lord makes a good point for times yesterday. Allison was playing centre back. That's because uh, we were so high. Mm-hmm. Chelsea were scared. Chelsea were scared to create space behind him. And what really did Chelsea in the head was the fact that we didn't need the space behind him. For the first time, I saw our team being able to just tear through teams that were really that, that are talented and set up to do what they want. And when they lost the player, they just tucked in. I know they got the penalty. We're talking about. Um, the Allison save about time he saved the penalty. I think he'd faced four hundred penalties since he signed for the club and, and hadn't saved a single one. And I think to be fair to him, and I think to credit to Actorberg because he is good at the old coach when it comes to set stop the penalties. He just told him, "Don't move. This this muppet's mm. going to do a little jump in the air, right? Mm. Don't move. The jump is designed to mm. make you go into your dive. Don't move." And when he comes down, he's got no, he's lost his pace, so he can't mm. get a powerful shot away. Mm. So his his whole mm. choice at that stage is to open his body up and try go across him. And like I, I don't get that jump. Like, I, don't I honestly, uh, yeah, I don't get it either. I, I think keepers need to start staying uh, um, in the middle on, on the, the line, the yeah, waiting. Uh, because yeah. it's so many penalties go go down the middle nowadays. Because I just think there's so much a stake players bottle it and stick it down the middle. Yeah. Um, because they can't miss. It's it's there's only so many players that stick a ball very tight into a corner, so a keeper can't still reach. Mm. Almost into the corner. Phil, Phil, the expert and goalkeepers, uh, proclaimed by by someone one time. Uh, what do you think? I think with, with what he did by staying. If you look at when when Yaman does his jump and comes down to hit it, right, he hasn't moved. Most times, if you look at the penalty, you can see mm. it the previous week he'd already gone before the player mm. struck. Mm. He was going. He, he was going where he thought the ball was going to be. I think he was told by Akterberg stay up because I think a lot of Jorginho's penalties go down the middle. Right, and that mm. straight away, as long as he doesn't move, right, as long as he doesn't move, it suddenly puts doubt in, in Jorginho's mind. And he has, he can't, because of that stupid jump, he can't change how he's going to strike a ball. Like, he literally can't change how he's going to strike the ball. So he has one option, and that's to play, uh, play it along to uh, it was um, Allison's left hand side because he's coming at it right foot. That was the end of it. Muppets. Mm. Like, so I, I'm delighted that Allison saved. But the biggest bit for me was. And John mentioned it wasn't somebody said Allison said he'd lost his had lost confidence after the charity shield, and that to me is 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 huge for him because he looked like, and and to be fair, um, Carragher had mentioned as well, he was conceding goals at the rate that we hadn't seen since Minulay had been a goal for us. Like he was he was like letting goals in every two shots he faced. Like if it was two, he was letting one in for every. And that that's not something that Allison has done since he'd been at the club. So it's great to see it. Delighted to see see him make the save. And hopefully he kicks on and he's back into his <laughs> form and making lots of saves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not to be, 
we're just enjoying we're just enjoying being insulted here by half yeah, the internet. Yeah. All, all this money goes into Gav Doyle's back pocket. The, yeah. the, like the lads are getting excited because the SAR rumor is picking up steam. Now like mm-hmm. if that happens, it's mental. But like it is mental, yeah. Because I, where what's happening? Does that mean somebody's gone? Is, is maybe where, no, maybe Sadio Mane, you know, because he's so similar to him. So, I mean, maybe I don't know, but you does Sadio Mane look grumpy lately? Does no. he look like somebody? No. You know, does his or body language? Don't don't you use know. that point <laughs> with the internet again. Fuck you. No, <laughs> you no. had your phone. <laughs> to be fair to Pete, to be fair to Pete, there's there's lots of the lads on here who are talking about Grizz saying that he's now for like like I hate to break it to you, but Grizz is now information right so pete said <laughs> six weeks ago right that fabinho was likely to be four choice center back this year and um, when it happens and he was a better center back than gomez and what the lads don't realize is that this conversation went on beforehand they forgot it all because of all the names that were thrown out magic names with the magic beans mm-hmm. and then yeah. all of a sudden he comes on and rehashes somebody else's point and that's his point all of a sudden right so yeah. anyhow um the way it is is pete <laughs> Pete called for being your forced uh, as being far choice centre back, and he should be applauded and acclaimed as the greatest ever ITK the, on, in the LFC scene. So well done, Pete. No, no, um, no, no, no. I just, I, mean, I just, I, I love a player, love a player like that. You know, no, no, I just like a player like him at the back. I know, and to be yeah, fair, Rajiv, Rajiv says there, a popular opinion, Grizz gets his information from the local chippies. Grizz is the person I was referring to earlier on about eating oxtail soup and chips. That's all I'm saying. That's, <laughs> that's where he gets his information from, from his soupy chips. Um, right, so, right, what do we got? What was next on it? So, we will not buy Sarah. That's great. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Steve, Nichol. <laughs> Steve Nichol is a grumpy bastard, by the way. I mean, I loved him as a player as when I was a kid, but he is the grumpiest. How, how is he on television? He's he's ugly for starters. He hates everyone, not just Liverpool. He hates everyone, doesn't like anything. And he, you know, even being, he's sitting there like that, like, like the world owes him something. He's probably on a few, fair few quid from the American. Mm. Steve Nickel, mm. it's incredible, mm. incredible. Be, He's the grumpiest bastard on television. To be fair, he played in the same team as Mark Lawrence, and look how happy Mark Lawrence was ever <laughs> at watching football match. Doom and gloom. It's all doom and gloom. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so yeah, lots, of, lots Fucking of people. Steve I remember Steve Nickel had his name yeah. on his car years ago. Yeah. Um, what was it? Seriously. One of those XR three eyes, I think. He had so yeah yeah it was a yeah, red one of those and yeah. I had Steve literally had Steve Nickel Liverpool FC written on the side of the car yeah they all did though Ronnie Whelan was the same they all that was the that was the gig back then they got sponsored by you know the local Ford dealer or whatever and all the names were on the sides of the car that's how it worked lads would be cut get, dead today in a Ford the only the only the only person that has a uh, for uh, a car dealership contract these days is um, Colo Torre, as we all know. Um, that was that's a real Brandon Rogers thing to do nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> do you remember he had that black Porsche? Boy, you could just imagine Brendan Rogers written in big bold writing on the back window. Brendan Rogers, who? Instead of Porsche, Andy, he's taking the Porsche off and just has Rogers in the right like Porsche. Character. Yeah. Roger Torbo. <laughs> yeah. Instead of Carrera uh, character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Right, lads, last topic. Um it's Ray's topic. Ray, mm. make sure I get this right, but leading on from the match because it all comes into it as well. Mm. Um the VAR 
Far, everyone is confused about the handball rule and the something else rule and what's going on with Far. People are still talking about Far. Personally, I've got an opinion and I always have this opinion with Far. I like it and I like this new television on the side and the lads looking at the television on the side. But mm. go on, give us give us your take on the Var. No, I think um, it's actually something that Andy touched on last season quite a bit and that was... This is kind of, we're now into kind of phase two, really, of, of VAR. You know, they got a lot of things lot wrong with it last season. Um, seemed reluctant to let the ref go over and sort of, you know, make his final decision on things if it's something that he uh, maybe missed uh, in live play. Um, and we've seen that uh, in the Liverpool game at the weekend. Um, I, I, and I also quite like this new kind of phenomenon of, the linesman kind of keeping the flag down and letting the play, uh, you know, that phase of play play out. And if, if there's a goal scored, then they put the flag up and it can be looked at on VAR. I think the tweaks that they've made is definitely like the one thing that would have been absolutely ridiculous is if they just kept doing the same things, you know, this season, like they were doing last season and making stupid mistakes. But I think this next kind of, you know, this phase two of uh, VAR has definitely been an improvement so far. Um, as far as this new handball rule, that seems to change every five minutes. They just need to make the minds up. That's something that, that needs to stay consistent because there's going to be so many penalties this season uh, for handballs. Like the two handballs given over the weekend were when players didn't really have a clue. Now, what the first one was hilarious because it was Man United <laughs> and we all, you know, we all we all buzzed off it big time. And and then the, the retake was events, better. Oh yeah, the chain of events then, like pure Gary Neville meltdown moment there <laughs> live on Sky. It was it was just it was brilliant. But um, you know, it took me back to the days where Suarez went through a little phase of trying to, um, you know, deliberately put the ball up towards the defender's hands and then appeal and get the <laughs> and get the penalty. Like he was doing it. He got about three in about five games. So we're going to see absolutely loads of penalties, I think, if that stays the way it is. Well, that's the, that's the thing, Ray. We're, as you say, we're in phase two of VAR. So any rule changes should be in line with VAR and what VAR enables the game to do. So rather than make real changes to, to, to suit the uncertainty, Make the rule changes that it can be reviewed, and you can tell with a replay. Those the handball rule is it does, doesn't. It's not in line with her. You know no. what I mean? You look at those, and you can easily tell whether that was intentional or not. You can see both of those handballs were not intentional. Why make it that if it hits the ball just outside your silhouette that it's it's black and white? I mean, you're going to have more and more players with the hands behind their back, and that's not how a defender should have to defend. It's mm. fucking ridiculous. If a, if hands are in a natural position and it's <laughs> accidental, that shouldn't be a penalty. And it's, it's it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant to watch the Manx meltdown over. <laughs> but that's that's going to happen us, and it's going to happen in an important game. It is. The only, this, they the got only, 23 penalties last year. I have no sympathy for them. No. Yeah. The, 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 only thing, the only thing I'll say, right, um, on the pe- on the penalty on the handball stuff, the bit that I think is mental is that they've sort of said now from here up is the armpit, right? So now you have to define where somebody's arm. Now, if you've got small arms like Jordan Pickford, 
Mm. Your armpit's going to be a lot smaller. Right? So, <laughs> like, and then if you have jerseys that have long sleeves, it's going to look like your armpits are, go for a longer time. And then if you've got exactly. short sleeves, it, that's that's the, where the confusion goes, right? So that to me is interesting. But the bit that I thought was unfair was the fact that the Gaia moved. That To me, the only question mark I have is this idea, this rule on the goalkeepers, right? If it's a fractional movement as he goes to make the save, the natural movement in a goalkeeper when he dives is he put he starts off on his front leg, which is to go forward. To get, to get the spring. What are you supposed to do, yeah. you know? I think that's madness, but I do get if you leave your line and then make the save. Like there's there's a great video on YouTube of the uh, there's a mad penalty set where the goalkeeper just basically ran straight off his line, run, run straight yeah, off like his Jersey line. Jersey Dudek, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I don't care about I don't care about intentional and unintentional. Like if you want to go back far, the, the first time they tried this type of 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 rule was in the Champions League final against Tot- Tottenham when Mane plays the ball against the handoff, whatever his mm. name was, of Spurs, and so we got cool. the penalty. Mm. whatever I don't know I don't know any of the sports players don't care about them um, nondescript someone in non- <laughs> like regen sports regen player mm. right so it was just mm. like uh, anyway so that's it so they're trying to refine that rule and I've no issue with it the only bit the bit that I have is again it's not about the VAR piece I think VAR is great right? I think it's it's brilliant it's improved the game no end it's gotten rid of stupid decisions and really bad wrong decisions right anyone that wants it like Genis wanted the bad ones would rather have the, the linemen put the flags up even when they're yeah, wrong exactly that's absolutely nonsensical I mean for an ex-player to say it's something like that is just it yeah. just baffles well, me well Genis was injury prone so he he could have he probably thinking of himself I need another break another break <laughs> you know Jesus I think that fella watched more football than he ever played for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, for, for me anyway the the offside rule when you see a force is a bit confusing but if this is if they keep this and they keep the consistency right then everyone is just going to play and they're going to play to the end of the of the, 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 the piece if the ball mm. goes to the net they check it for offside if it's offside yeah. fine right and if it's not then it's a goal and that's the right decision like yeah. what What's mm. wrong with this here? If it's the right decision, it's the right decision. Exactly. exactly. The, the other aspect of this as well, like that I that I like, is we've got away from that initial uh, reluctance of referees to overrule their original decision. Yeah. So, yeah. like yesterday, mm. he give, he brings the yellow card out, and he obviously someone has a word in his ear and says, "I think you need to go and have a look at that. It, it's looking like a red to me." Do you want to go over and have a quick look again yourself? He goes over and he make and he and you know, there's he's prepared to change his original decision and admit essentially admit that he was wrong in the first place. But Ray, if, if 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 you're if you're giving a foul there, how how are you not giving it a red card? This is what I'm saying to you. For me, that's either you're, you're checking if it's an accidental collision or not. He's actually booked the player. You know, for yeah. being on his last man, he I, presume, I, I presume, I presume, if he's looking at it from behind the play, and then he looks at it again from a different angle, he realizes that actually his initial judgment was was bang off. So he so he realizes from the different angle that the, that the replay gives him that actually, nah, this is ridiculous, lads. He said, "I've made a ricket." Yeah. Now, yeah. Pete, the thing here is that the rule is if it's denying a clear goal scoring opportunity, right? So the reason he gave the yellow card is he believed the ball was already too far ahead of Mane for, because Kepa was coming out to clear the ball, right? Yeah. So yeah. when Based he looked... other four times that he tried to come out and get the ball and failed. I think, I think if he reflects on that, he, he sh- he'll he say, I shouldn't have took out the yellow card. I should have waited till I seen it. It's a foul all day long, right? Yeah. He knows that. Then go and review it and decide what card is going to be dished out. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, that's what, that's what, that's the beauty of VAR. Yeah. And uh, look, uh, people don't like it, but the people that don't like it are the ones who are basically just against everything. So they hate yeah, everything. Yeah. The ABLs, yeah. They're against all the signings. They, they pretend for one day that they like all the signings and they like the players. It's about 24 hours before the season kicks off. Corbin they'll, spend, they'll spend the rest of the season moaning about all the signings and everyone that's there, right? So, like, um, I, like as I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of art. Long may I continue? Because all they're going to do is they're going to refine it, refine it, and it's just, be, it's just going to become seamless and it's just going to be how they like the rules. Yeah, they refine the rules and they bring in more technology and it just gets better and better and it just takes out mistakes. And all it, all it lays back to then is that all it comes back to is football is a game of mistakes by two teams mm. because that's your goal scares, not by the officials. You don't mistakes by the officials. Players we accept, officials you don't accept. And you know the other thing that everyone was banging on about last season. Oh, you know, it, it's not it's not fair on the crowd. The crowd don't know what's going on. Well, guess no what? There's no crowd, so it's yeah. all good. What about the this fake noise? The fake noise doesn't know what it's going on, going on at the best of times. No, there was Andy, another one Andy, there tonight. There was another one when Wolves, uh, someone, I don't know, it was Neto or someone like that. He, he, he could be he, forgiven for that one. He hit one off the stanchion, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he could be forgiven yeah. for that one. Um, now, I think it's, it's a good opportunity to bring in the watching the screen part because I think walking over with the crowd there, and a, like you know, a home game for a team that has a decision going for against them can be quite intimidating for the ref and, and the ref to make the right call. But now we can go over there and make it kind of a more um, informed judgment without the influence. And as well, how quiet it is in the stadiums, you can hear the players what they're saying to the refs as well. Mm. So it's going to show up a lot of players mm. that are kind of saying var or or whatever. Just. It'll be a good. It'll be a good thing for VAR going forward without the crowds. Well, uh, look for me anyway. Having watched the, Amer- the the NFL at the weekend and seen stadiums where crowds are back, the difference between the fake noise and the real noise is off the charts, right? Like, I think Dallas had had one hundred and fifty six thousand people in their stadium at the weekend because <laughs> they don't really care. Um, in in an indoor dome, like I still I'm still baffled at this. I can understand getting fans back into outdoor stadiums, but this is an indoor dome and they're all in there. And like there was about six of them with masks on it. Was, I think there was thirty five thousand or something that's in there, right? And you hear the sound of a real crowd, and it's so different because the sound is so natural. Like there isn't, there's this constant sound that goes on in these fake crowd sounds, right? That doesn't exist in matches. Like you, how many times do you watch the match, and there's always these quiet spells where the crowd barely says nothing, and then it comes alive to something that's there. This is just like we take FIFA, plug in a bit, away it goes. So from what like the plan, the plans that were coming out today, according to James Pierce, is that they want to get twelve or thirteen thousand back into Anfield for the start of, for the Sheffield United game in October. Mm. Um, and you've got to ask yourself. Is that even going to be possible? Because if Liverpool and the rest of England go into lockdown, which is more likely than getting crowds back into stands, mm. like you've got to ask yourself, will crowds even be back into stadiums this year? Not with the way that this coronavirus is is, is exploding across Europe. There's, there's a bigger chance that leagues will be put um, cancelled again, or not cancelled, but uh, suspended, than there is of fans getting back into stadiums at this point. Mm. I said, I said, like just after the outbreak, I said. You mightn't be back in Anfield for a year, mm. uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to say I was right, but this this whole thing is a fucking mess. 
And unless they change their whole approach and their whole strategy towards how they're going to deal with it, fans won't be back in this side of Christmas. They just won't. It's as simple as that. They won't because lockdowns are more likely than progress at the moment. Coming into the winter, people getting bugged, people getting tested for for a saw fucking arse. You know what I mean? Seriously. Like lads, England's bollocks, right? Of all the countries in Europe, England is absolutely bollocks, right? It has they've no tests left. They have nobody even to test them. The rest of Europe, they're asking, to, will, will you please test us? And the rest of Europe saying, Brexit lads, best of luck. You're on your own to get that sorted out, right? Whatever chance like they're talking about, some there's fans going back into games in Germany. Germany have won the best rates of inf- of detection and management of this virus across Europe. That's how they're able to put fans back in the ground and they're experimenting with ways of getting teams back in. And they're a much more organized and structured society. I think their infection rate is something like 20 or 20 per 100,000 at the moment in comparison to England's, which is 70 and growing. You know mm. what I mean? Like, this is what we're yeah. talking about, 70 and growing. Like, and I think, is- I think Liverpool and um, quite you know, a few of the clubs in the north are probably going to be at the back of the queue as far as um, fans getting into grounds. You know, we in Liverpool we're 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 going back into restrictions, and um, yeah, I, I just don't see I just don't see it. Ha- it's definitely not going to happen in October, and I don't think they'll be like unlike America. I don't think they'll be this kind of let's just push on regardless approach. When it, I just don't think. The government there uh, really would be pushing fans into football stadiums. It does nothing for them. It gives them no uh, political capital whatsoever. You know, it's it's a very different kind of link between you know pushing on with American football um, and what that you know the signal that sends out to the to the you know to the American people um, in kind of Trump plan. So no, I, I I think I think if we see. And by the way, I think the club did a very, you know, I think they were very, um, got to commend them for the fact that they've essentially suspended kind of season tickets for this season and they're just kind of taking a wait and see approach, whereas a lot of other clubs have made season mm-hmm. ticket holders kind of stump up some cash to re- to retain that status of being members or season ticket holders. So I think what the club have done here has, 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 has been sensible and said, look, if tickets, if matches you know, uh, can be attended, then we'll sell tickets at that time. But 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 let's not stress about renewing season tickets or older fans who are season ticket holders who might might be, you know, weary of going back into that kind of environment. Um I think I think we've just got to accept that if if we get to a game this season, it'd be a, an absolute bonus. Right. What do you think of the talk if if they do allow fans back in and tickets are going to be distributed onto people's phones and they're not transferable, what do you think? Do you think that might be FSG's opportunity to normalise this idea of tickets not changing hands? Yeah, I think I think it's a, a like it's an ideal opportunity for them to try and break the status quo um, because it's hard to object to moving onto that kind of technology platform in the circumstances so if you link that to the current kind of clean down of the season ticket uh fans and everyone having to verify their identities and given this kind of amnesty to some fans who who've been attending games on uh someone else's season ticket for years um i think when you combine the two things i think this from sort of um 
let's say next season onwards, it's it's definitely the opportunity to to move it into a different into a different level as to where you know break that chain that's been there and and the club have been trying to come up with the secret formula for years and it's not it's not really been out there and, and I think this is the opportunity for them to to maybe get beyond some of the objections that have consistently been thrown out there. Mm. Well, it might be something for us to talk about next week because like, yeah, yeah. how technology could impact uh, ticketing or even creating ticket exchanges for season ticket holders if they want to, if they want friends and family to go to matches, how that, that can happen as opposed to selling tickets. Right, lads, we are now just about, uh, we've got 60 seconds to go. Um, so I'm just going to bring you a few headlines from around the, the Tripperland. Um, and the first headline is that Andy's going to wear a red top next week. Um, Gav... <laughs> Gav will appear in at some point. Um, Gavin Keith will be on across the course of the week t- doing all the stuff around transfers and, and there's a new show on Wednesday night as well. Um, Pete will be back next week. We have um, us back doing the forum. We have all the stuff that goes up. We've got matches on the Thursday and there's all other type of stuff that's going on as well. Um, for all those you you who like the Nike kit, there's something wrong with you. Um, and that's about it. So this has been the forum. That has been your forumtologists and the young. Ray Dicko Dickson. And then, of course, we've got Pete in Barcelona. Pete was the first into lockdown back in March. They haven't come out with lockdown. He's still in lockdown at the moment. Liverpool's about to go into lockdown tonight. Dublin Pete. is level three. The rest of Ireland's about to go into level three as well. There's all sorts of levels that's going on. Um, but just remember, stay safe. We'll see you all next week. Good night. God bless. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com slash symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub. Sports Social Podcast Network.